temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5, TIC-FM and Light 100.5, WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you on this Sunday morning and we are pleased to be joined by Rob Lamoth. He is owner of Lamoth Sugar House in Burlington. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning and thank you for having me on. Well, we are heading into the maple sugar season of 2022. What sort of a season is shaping up? I know it's it's largely weather dependent. It's been hot. It's been cold. We've had some rain. How's it looking? Well, here again, too, if you take a look at it, we go back. Um, it's a season that really started last summer. We've had a lot of rain last summer, and that was a really good thing to have. Uh, the trees need water to release the sugar. And I think that this year is probably going to be a very good season. Uh, it's starting a little bit later. Uh, usually it'll be probably around the first part of February. seems as though this year it might start probably the second or third week in February. What we're going to have is when the leaves turn a brilliant orange in the fall, you're going to see that they're going to start to make starch. And while the trees are dormant, uh, they turn that starch into sugar. But once we go out and tap the trees, uh, and drill a hole into the tree, then you're going to see the sap start coming out and you need the water to release it. So, um, you know, that's going to be a big factor. I think we're going to have a, an abundance of sap and I think it's going to be sweet enough, but it's going to have it's some years when it's very dry, we find that the sap is, we call it dirty sap. It just doesn't have enough water to really release it properly. But this year, I think we're going to be in pretty good condition. Do all maple trees produce sap that can be made into syrup, or is it certain types? There's 23 different types of maple trees, and the trees that we use are Acer Sacrum. We use sugar maples. Sugar maples are the ones that have the highest amount of sugar in them, and you can use a rubium uh, Acer, which would be a soft maple, a red maple, and that's going to give you 1% sugar. If you take that sap from that tree, which you can do, uh, you're going to have to boil 86 gallons of sap to get one gallon of maple syrup. If you use the sap from a sugar maple, it's going to take, it'd be 2% sugar on an average, and it's going to drop it down to 43 gallons of sap to make one gallon of syrup. So even the Native Americans figured that out. They predominantly tapped sugar maples. So it sounds like sugar maples are the way to go. 
Uh, talk yes. a little about last season because I understand it. It wasn't a stellar year last year for for Maple Products. No, it wasn't. What happened was we thought it was going to be a very traditional sugaring season because it was frozen right up until the third week in February. And I said, this is good. It's really cold. We're going to have more of a traditional season like what we had 50 years ago. And what happened was, is that we started making some great syrup. Uh, The weather was cold. It was staying cold. We were getting small runs. Um, The sap was slow to get started. And we were making beautiful syrup. But then what happened was the third week in March, it never froze again. So we have to have that freezing cold night and that thawing day to get the carbon dioxide in the tree to expel the sap out. So once it, you know, if it stays frozen, you don't get any sap. If it's too warm and doesn't go into freezing again, you don't get any sap. So the season came to an end abruptly in the third week of March. The crop in Connecticut was definitely off by at least 25%, which is huge. Now, certainly temperature is important. You mentioned rain is important. What other factors Mm -hmm. go into making it a a good maple season? Um, Weather is very, I mean, one of the key factors. Mother nature always wins. Um, Tree health is very important uh, for a good sugaring season. Uh, If you take a look, sometimes some trees get damaged during the summer months, and you have to be cognizant of that. You have to really look at your trees. and you know, if they're damaged and they've got a branch that's broken and the sap is coming out profusely on its own, that's probably a tree that you don't want to tap. But for a good sugaring season, freezing cold nights, thawing days, that bright sun, um, you know, if, if you got a night that was, say, around 20 degrees and the next day it was 38 and it was windy, sap probably isn't going to run. So the weather probably is the most uh, important factor in getting a good sugaring season. Walk us through the process of turning the sap into maple syrup and other products. Sure. What we do is um, we know we've identified the tree that we're going to use. We're going to drill a small hole. It's going to be five sixteenths in diameter, about two inches deep. And some folks still traditionally hang buckets on the trees, which are aesthetically very pleasing. In our particular case, we end up using, um, we've got 26 miles of, maple sap tubing out in the woods. So we collect all of that sap via tubing, comes down into large tanks that are alongside the road. We have to pick that sap up every day that we've had a run. If the weather was conducive for a flow, um, we have water, we have sugar, we have bright sunlight, which is heat. It's the perfect environment for fermentation. So what we want to do is get it back to the sugar house as quickly as we possibly can because otherwise it would spoil. So whatever sap that we collect in the afternoon, we're going to boil it all night long until that last drop of sap is gone. We pick it up around 4.30 in the afternoon. It probably takes us maybe about three hours. We've got 5,600 taps out. And we will get that sap back. And the first thing we do is we run it through a large diatomaceous earth filter. We want to filter out any kind of debris that might be in it. any little small particle, we want to filter that out. From there, the sap will travel over to a ultraviolet light, which kills the bacteria in the raw sap. All of the bacteria is going to get killed in the boiling process, but the sooner we kill the bacteria, we are going to get more sugar that is available to us. 
the bacteria multiply very quickly. And if you don't treat that sap with a UV light, it's just going to multiply and it's going to eat up a lot of sugar. From there, our sap goes into a reverse osmosis machine. And that machine under high pressure and with a membrane will take all of that sap and with a high pressure pump, we can push it across the membrane and the water molecules are smaller. So they'll go through the membrane. The sugar molecules are larger. They won't go through the membrane. So what we get rid of is 80% of the water in that sap before we start to boil. So we've cut our carbon footprint by 80%. So if we take 43 gallons of sap to make a gallon of syrup and we run it through the RO, uh, what we're going to have is six gallons of concentrate and we can still make that gallon of syrup. So therefore, uh, being good sugar makers, we've cut our carbon footprint by 80%. Once that concentrate has been made, it goes into a storage tank that feeds the evaporator. We've got an evaporator that's three feet wide. It's 10 feet long and it's fired by fuel oil. And the evaporator boils off the rest of the water at the rate of about 160 gallons an hour. And anybody out in your audience can make maple syrup. It's really not that big of a deal. The only thing you're doing is you're boiling off the water and you have to know when to stop. So in our case, it's just a continuous flow. We could come back with 6,000 gallons of sap. And before we go to bed, we'll turn it all into pure maple syrup. The evaporator is state-of-the-art. Uh, it's actually two years old, the second year we've used it. And what it does, its key purpose is to boil off the remaining water. But it's also to boil that sap or the concentrate. You're cooking, you're boiling sugar in a fluid suspension. And therefore, what happens is that's what gives you the color. That's what gives you the taste. And uh, if we have a flue pan. And that flue pan is a big flue pan, and it boils very, very quickly. From there, it goes into some syrup finishing pans where the boil slows down a little bit. And when we can bring the temperature up seven and a half degrees above the boiling point of water for the given day, we know we're going to be making syrup. So in our case, we have a computer that draws it off the evaporator, and it puts it in a big finishing unit. And what we'll do at the end of the day, once the finishing unit is full of maple syrup, we want to filter that maple syrup uh, because it's a product of the soil. Uh, you know, there's a lot of minerals in it. There's a lot of great things in it. But what we want to do is filter out the impurities. So we take diatomaceous earth, we mix it in with the maple syrup. And diatomaceous earth is that white powder that some folks use in their swimming pool filters. In our case, we have food grade diatomaceous earth. And we have a filter press. We put 16 membranes into that filter press. And we get that syrup up around 190 degrees. We add the diatomaceous earth. And we run it through the filter press. And it gets out all of the impurities. It gives the maple syrup a beautiful shine. It just it sparkles. For the most part, we make a lot of syrup. So we put it into stainless steel barrels as we're making it. And after we make the maple syrup, uh, it'll be in barrels. We'll put the barrels in cold storage. But as we need it, we make different grades of maple syrup. So in the beginning of the season, you're going to find that the sugar content in a tree is high. It could be as high as 4%. So that sap that we collect, um, we're going to put it into the evaporator through the whole process. 
but it's going to turn to maple syrup quicker because the sugar content is higher. And you make a golden maple syrup. We've got four different grades of syrup that we make. And golden is a really beautiful color. It's the first run of the season. And that's because the sugar content is high in that tree. As the season wears on, uh, we're going to make uh, amber, which is a little darker in color, but it's got a wonderful, rich flavor. That's because the sugar content has gone down a little bit. And therefore, what we have to do is we have to boil that concentrate longer to get it to the right density. So the longer you're boiling it, you're cooking it, um, it's going to have a little bit darker color. And then we make a grade A dark when the sugar content will probably drop down to about a percent, one percent, probably a percent and a half. That's got a very bold maple flavor. Again, the tree has only got so much sugar in it. And we're going to take that sugar and turn it into a very dark maple syrup. But believe it or not, a lot of people want that robust maple flavor. Then as the season's really winding down, we're going to make a grade A very dark. Um, again, the sugar content has gone really low. We have to boil for a long time. And it's, it's a syrup that you would probably use in a baking or a cooking recipe. So it's very dark, but a very strong maple flavor. So those are the different grades that we make. But to make the pure maple candy, we use the golden, the first run of the year, because it's got an extremely low invert sugar content. And therefore, we can take that and turn that into pure maple syrup. Last year here at the farm, I made over 4,000 pounds of pure maple candy. And um, people just really enjoy all of the different confections we make. But most of those confections are made out of the first run maple syrup. So we make maple candy. We make granulated maple sugar. We make maple lollipops for the children. We make a maple barbecue sauce. We make a maple spice rub. Uh, we make sugar on snow that people can take back home with them and put it on uh, fresh snow. So we make probably, I don't know, 16 or 17 different maple products. But usually we try to use the finest maple syrup that we produce early in the season. And I think that's probably what has given us a lot of customers. Um, they come back year after year after year. My wife, Jean, was a wonderful sugar maker. She understood the dynamics. She understood the chemistry of sugar because um, that was her whole life. She was a baker. She did uh, a lot of baking, uh, wedding cakes and things like that. And um, she understood sugar and she made a lot of maple candy. She passed away on March 7th of 2020 and it left a void. Um, but we were partners and we were, you know, we made candy together and um, we just, I just continued doing it in her honor. So I'm very proud of what we do, and we have visitors from all over the world. It's amazing that they come out. I mean, I just had an airline pilot from Germany, and they planned their whole trip out here to the Northeast, and we were one of their stops. And I, I just, it amazes me. At the age of 72 years old, the electronic technology just amazes me where people will find you. And I think one of the biggest things, or a couple of the biggest things that have happened to us is that with the invention of GPS and barcodes, that is what has really vaulted us into uh, some prominence. We're the largest maple producer in the state of Connecticut, and um, we plan on continuing that tradition as long as we possibly can. You're listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Rob Lamoth. He is owner of Lamoth Sugar House in Burlington. 
I'm curious if if you are able to tell the difference between, say, Connecticut maple syrup versus Vermont versus Canadian. If maple syrup is made correctly, it's all good. And here again, too, that's one of those traps that you, you can fall prey to. And everybody is very, very proud of what they produced. The only thing that is different about syrup in Connecticut, syrup in Vermont, syrup in Quebec is the soil type. Here in Connecticut, we have a lot of limestone. And, you know, you take a look in Vermont, there's a lot of granite. You take a look up in Quebec, there's a lot of, uh, the soil is different. So, yes, uh, I would think that anybody who lives in a particular area, if they went somewhere else uh, in another maple region, I'm sure that they could tell the differences. But maple producers, for the 99% of them, they make it with tremendous pride, and we all respect one another. We all think that we have the best maple syrup. So there's a lot of good maple syrup that's made out there. What is demand like for maple syrup and other products? Is Connecticut a, a net importer or a net exporter? We are not net exporters by any means. We have a population here in Connecticut that is really um, back to local. Uh, big Y supermarkets. Uh, are one of our key um, buyers, and they really support local. We find that most people, you say exporters and importers, we don't export our maple syrup because there's not as much made here as there is in, um, say, Vermont or Quebec. Quebec is the largest maple producer, and um, they have a reserve of maple syrup. Demand, say, an example of last year, we had a 25% deficit in our production and demand went up because of COVID, because of other related uh, incidents. Um, the It went up probably like 10% more. So you take a look at it. Last year, it was like a 35% uh, margin. It was a decrease. People are, are really want to buy local. And if you're making a really good product, it doesn't matter whether you're in Massachusetts, Connecticut, New Hampshire, Vermont, Quebec, New York, um, we all make wonderful maple syrup. Given the changing climate, is there any concern about the long-term sustainability of sugar maples in our region? Yes, there is. That's a question, and here again, too, you know, we, here at our farm, we cut our carbon footprint by 80%. We did it with the help of the federal government, the NRCS, Natural Conservation Resource Service. Uh, based in Windsor, Connecticut. We've done it with the, the Department of Agriculture in based in Hartford. And there's some very key players. Yes, we are, we are always, always concerned about that. Um, you know, there has been climate change. I'm 72 years old, and we started making syrup 51 years ago. And we never thought of making a drop of maple syrup at least till the third week in February, which would have been President's Weekend, President's Day. But that's changed. There's no question in my mind about that. And what has happened is that if you're not ready by the 1st of February with your trees tapped in and ready to roll, um, you probably could lose 25, 30% of your crop. Here again, too, we end up with um, the Asian, horn, uh, Asian longhorn beetle that was imported from China into pallet material in Chicago. And, you know, that's been a real problem, too. You're, 
The host tree is a maple tree. So uh, the environment certainly has changed. Um, the amount of insects, take a look at our ash trees, the emerald ash borer, that came from China as well. So, you know, we're constantly on the lookout. And is it feasible that maple syrup isn't made in Connecticut? Possibly. Um, you know, as if it doesn't freeze anymore in the state of Connecticut, then you wouldn't get the right cycle. So everybody is aware of it. There's been a lot of articles that have been published about it, and it is a concern. Um, we, I've got five weather radios here at the farm, at the Sugar House, and we live by the weather, and it definitely has changed. If people want to come out and check out a, a Sugar House, there is the Maple Weekend happening in Connecticut, March 19th and 20th. Tell us what people uh, can expect if they, they plan to, to come out and take a tour. And, of course, they can find sure. a list of all that at ctmaple.org. That's correct. That's a weekend where all of the maple producers uh, get together and showcase their sugar houses. They invite people out. There are probably some special events at certain sugar houses. And they want to explain to all of our citizens in Connecticut how maple syrup is made, um, you know, and it goes back with the family root, the, you know, the core of maple producers. They're just one tough people. And uh, they just want to showcase that the doors are open, that maple syrup is made, other maple confections are made in Connecticut. And it's just like a big open house. I mean, I know that we do it uh, every Saturday and Sunday, you know, starting from mid-February. We open up the doors. We always have hot maple coffee for them. We've got mole cider. The kids always get a lollipop. And, you know, they've, Folks that come out here are always invited to come out, and we just share our hospitality with them. The Maple Weekend is just an extension of that. They just want to let people know that there's a lot of great agricultural products that are made in this state, and this state is still healthy. Um, it's got a lot to give its citizens. So that Maple Weekend, I certainly hope that some of your listeners will go out there and support that. And I think they're going to be very, very pleased. And here again, too, we don't charge admission, nothing like that. We have kids from the inner city. We have kids from the church. We have kids from schools. Um, it's just a wonderful time. And what pleases me the most is that, uh, you know, 50 years ago, there's little girls that would come here, little boys. Uh, there were Cub Scouts or girl um, da- daisies. Now they're coming back here with their family. So what we've seen and what we appreciate is the fact that we left an indelible mark on those folks and they wanted their children to see what goes on here for agriculture in Connecticut. Roughly how many producers are there around the state and is it a a tight knit group? Do you talk often? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, sure. We, uh, to the best of my knowledge, there's probably 400 maple producers in the state. Some are very small. Some produce just for themselves. Um, There's some larger producers like ourselves. And, um, you know, there's some east of the river, there's some west of the river, but it's like when we have a meeting in November, it's like a big family with a red flannel jacket on. I mean, it just, it's a warm feeling. Uh, You know, we know these people uh, by name, we know their families, we've become close friends. And um, I think we all share that common bond uh, that we're going to, you know, put our best foot forward and really, we've learned a lot by going to these meetings and, you know, here again, 50 years ago, people would use English tin for um, an evaporator pan. 
So that was steel that was coated with basically galvanized coating. Today, that's totally unheard of. By these association meetings, what's happened is that we can produce maple syrup, doing it uh, all with food grade uh, stainless steel. Everybody has upped their uh, sugar house equipment, and we've really become state of the art. So these meetings are very important, and the public is very important to us, too. We want to make sure that the product that we're making is going to be very safe, going to be enjoyable, and they're going to come back again. He is Rob Lamoth, owner of Lamoth Sugar House in Burlington. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you very much for having me. And again, if you want to find out more about Maple Weekend happening March 19th and 20th, go to ctmaple.org. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.